Monday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, the season is slowly, I don't know, I say slowly, it's fast approaching. We're almost there. The Ducks have played a preseason game already, uh, which is kind of mind-boggling to think about. We've got a, a better feel for how the Ducks team will look like this year um, and kind of what the, the line combinations will be. Today's show will be a little different. We will give you our notes and impressions so far on, on training camp. And then we are going to give you a little bit of a preview of what we do on our bonus episodes. But we're going to do a, a ranking. We're going to do our rankings slash predictions for the Pacific Division. So you will also, through that, get an idea of where we think the Ducks will finish this year. So that should be interesting. Yeah. Do you want to just peel back the curtain on how we got to this point? Uh, I think that we were... Let me let me try to map back. Oh, yeah. And we get to throw CJ under the bus. Exactly. Loads yeah. of fun. So our good friend CJ, who appears in this podcast every now and again, uh, quote tweeted someone saying that the Kings make the playoffs as, you know, as a prediction for him. Uh, it was it was give me your bonkers prediction. This is something Jay Fresh tweeted out. He said, give me your bonkers prediction for the 2021-22 season. Someone quote tweeted that and said, Kings make the playoffs. And then CJ quote tweeted that, which I'm assuming means an endorsement and said, I have been saying. So as soon as I saw that, as we were prepping for the show, <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't buy it. I think we've even, I, we've probably said it on this show that the, the Kings, there's some hype like, around them and they're yeah. going to be, they're, they're going to be maybe better than what they've been in the last couple of years, but probably not by that much. And so we just kind of went on this tangent about how the division's going to shake out. And we just realized, why don't we just, do this on the podcast so yeah i mean we commended their offseason because they had a good offseason and are starting the transition to i think try to be competitive but i i think now i think within the moment maybe i was high on their moves but now that we're a little bit removed and kind of have had time to go back and look at the rosters i just don't buy it like i you and i were saying and luckily uh jay fresh came through clutch for both of us and we both have access to the war roster builder uh and uh the king's roster per him is 25th in the league which seems about right yeah i mean they have interesting pieces up front they added philip deno which is huge for their center depth quentin byfield if he i mean there's a decent chance he takes a big step this year kind of like trevor zegris so there's there's pieces there but then you look on the wings you look on the blue line and even in net, I mean, with Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick, we don't know exactly what that tandem will look like. So we'll get into this more later, and but yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of reason to yeah maybe press pause on the Kings height. And, and I think there's, uh, I don't know if it's greater than 50%. For me, it's probably 40% where there's a pretty high chance that I think the Ducks could be better than the Kings. You might be, you think a 30% chance. But I, I don't think it's a set-in-stone thing that the Kings are locked into being better because you look at the roster, and they have maybe better high-end pieces in, in Kopitar and Dano than the Ducks do as of right now. But I don't think you can necessarily say they have more NHL talent than the Ducks overall if you look at their roster from top to bottom. And I think that's maybe where it falls off for me with the the, the prediction of them being in the playoffs is their defense is bad. And so I, I think there's a realistic chance the Ducks could finish above them, which I think would be an interesting uh, storyline to follow throughout all this. Yeah, I, I still, I mean, should we just get into the ranking? Because now we're, we're just, or should we talk about the preseason first, the, the stuff that's actually happening? Your call. I'm letting you you drive this bus. Okay, well, let's just get into our ranking. Okay. We, we, we've been talking about this, so we might as well get into it. And don't worry, folks, we will talk about the preseason 
To be honest with you, I mean, just to give you a quick, quick hit on that, we don't really know a whole lot more today than we did last week about no. how this team is going to shape shape up. I mean, a couple things have developed. We've seen uh, Dallas Akins go to a line of Ryan Getzloff, Sonny Milano, Troy Terry, and that seems to be a, a trend. That seems to be something oh. that may hold. Although very quickly within the game, after about one period, he broke them up and put Troy Terry, I believe it was with, I think it was Bo Grew and Buddy Robinson. What, yeah. What was the, the, the full line that ended up being the one that Troy Terry mm-hmm. ended up on? Sorry, Sam Carrick and Buddy Robinson, not, uh, not Bo Grew. And yeah. uh, I believe it was Vinny Letary got put on the line with Getzloff and Milano. <laughs> what are the chances he makes the team, Jake? Also, wait, can, can we just quickly shout out the fact that, uh, I finally so I was at the game, and I finally got to see Cody Cran play in person. And yes. what do you know happens? Gordy Howe hat trick. Exactly. Yeah, that's really the highlight of the preseason so far and for the. Ducks. You know who set it, you know who set up his goal right? It was a it was Troy Terry. Amazing pass by Troy Terry. Cross ice feed finds him in front of the net, and then uh, you know Cody Cran uses that big booming shot in front of the net to go top down. Yeah, and I mean, what was impressive about that play for Terry was that he, it wasn't really, I mean, the pass was nice, but it was the how he got there because mm-hmm. he kind of fumbled the puck a little bit in the middle of the ice and then gathered himself, curled back around and just found found a seam. So, yeah, but I'm still just, it's too early, right? Like, the, the, yeah. the, there, there haven't been any cuts. The, the groups are still, there's no crossover between the groups yet. So, you know, certain guys look good. I think Troy Terry looks solid and maybe... I don't know. People are so, saying he looked bad in the first my, period yesterday. My brief, my brief impression from being at the game, and I know we just said we were going to do the rankings. Now yeah, we're doing guess, this, but but yeah. this is fine. Um, but the first period, he looked like he was fighting the puck a little bit, and then kind of after that, it seemed like he settled in in the second and third periods and really found his game. And the one thing that I f- thought was really impressive was the the goal that he scored because Volkov takes a shot, goes off the post. Terry's the one that follows up in front of the net and basically. People may not think that he's a guy that would go to the front of the net and find a puck in a scrum, and that's what he did, and he put it in the back of the net to score. And, and yeah. that's something that the Ducks so, uh, sorely missed on the power play throughout the entirety of last year, and the fact that Terry was the guy that would go uh, go and do that I think was impressive to me. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Alexander Volkov scored a goal. Nice redirect. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just think right now there's, there's not a yeah. ton... Not and, a ton to work with. And it's not like it was the Sharks A game either or A team either. They, no, they were they, they were split squad. Yeah, so it, it's hard to have any takeaways. I think maybe if you want to have any, it was just nice to have people back in Honda Center. Wow. So if you look sorry, sorry, I'm I'm like looking at the odds right now for the season of of teams making the playoffs. We are all over the place. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the Kings. Jake. Yeah. I mean, it, it was nice to see people back in there. Correct. And I think that the way that they've set it up with the requirements to actually get in, like yes. I, I think that they're t- making the, well, I mean, they have to follow the guidelines, but it's not, it doesn't feel t- just completely reckless either, which is nice. Correct. And, so. and, and it felt comfortable, comfortable at the game yesterday. And granted, it's also because there weren't that many people there, which helped. But mm-hmm. still, it, it, it was a uh, it was nice to be back at the the arena. Uh, one nice little thing, and this is a completely non hockey related thing, actually. But um, the Ducks, I guess, are now being um, are being sponsored by Brewery X, oh, which is a okay. local. I think they're a smaller brewery in Anaheim, and their logo is right in front of uh, the home uh, home bench. And the club level had their beer. I was impressed. Wow. I was impressed. Wow. Interesting. Yes, Zen is eight. This bus is swerving all over the road. It's my tie time. 
It's really everywhere. Okay, well, so that'll be pretty much all we have for the the training camp preseason. I just want to point out, we're getting into the rankings now, that the Devils and the Kings have the same odds to make the playoffs on Bovada, plus 5,000. Give me the Devils over the Kings. Yeah, how is that even possible? So anyway. Devils signed Dougie Hamilton this offseason and have Jack Hughes playing and uh, Nico Heischer. I mean, the the Devils playing a much more difficult division so there is that to consider but still their roster is a lot better in my opinion than the yeah. Kings. so let's uh let's just do this thing so top to bottom i think top to bottom is the way to go top to bottom let's do it so who is your team that you have finishing last in the pacific division? oh we're doing it that way oh sorry uh, bottom to top why did i say top? yeah bottom to top god okay um it pains me but i think it is the ducks um Mm-hmm. I the thing with the Ducks that I think is very tough is that I do think the range of results is pretty wide. I think the Ducks could end up being a mid eighty point team. Mm-hmm. I think they could also end up being a mid sixty point team, mm-hmm. and it it really depends partially on John Gibson. If John Gibson is able to be the goalie that essentially an above replacement or above expected level goalie like he has in the past that helps out significantly he if he's just expected at expectation or slightly below that could get him in the 60 range also where does trevor zegris go to where like essentially there's a whole lot of development within these guys where the range of results is huge i think more likely than not the results aren't going to be there this year i think there will be uh for ducks fans as a positive there will be a positive process in place. And I think we're going to see things start going their way in terms of five on five play. I think you're going to have some exciting moments with Trevor Zegras on the ice with Troy Terry, with Max Comtois, with those guys on the ice. Um, But I think there are going to be some drawbacks. I think that the defense has taken a bit of a step back uh, with their aging. And I think the other issue is that with the fact that the ducks have said they fully embrace the rebuild, I think that they're going to move guys out, and I think that's going to hurt their chances within the points. I think Adam Henrique is is a very good hockey player, and even though people, for some reason, don't view him that way anymore, he should be moved out, and when he is, that is a negative impact on the Ducks roster. Same thing if Ricard Raquel. Like I've said, he should be moved. Negative impact on the roster now if he's moved. Mm -hmm. And and, and so I think all those things combined get me to this point where I think – the Ducks are starting to take steps in the right direction, but they're still at the bottom of the division. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So that they are my eighth place team as well in the Pacific. And yeah, that's the thing is we've, the case that we've been making for the Ducks to make the playoffs the last three years has revolved around some version of the veterans bouncing back, the defense playing well up to its caliber and John Gibson being John Gibson. And that has pretty much not happened almost mm-hmm. categorically. Uh, especially the last couple years. Now, like you just said, there is a possibility that John Gibson returns to form, that he kind of gets back. Even doesn't have to be great, just better than what he was last year, and that puts the Ducks in a better spot. If Trevor Zegers takes a massive step forward, which I think he will this year, there is a possibility that the, that the Ducks finish above this. I think that they could they could have a I'm not going to say a playoff run, but they could at least be a team that's that's interesting to follow. I think they could end up anywhere between five and eight. I think those are all realistic options with yeah. eight being more likely than five. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that there's there's a definite case that they can climb up if if everything breaks right. The, the talent is there on this roster, but that's, that's the very optimistic view. The, I mean, the, 
how much of this partially is both you and I having predicted them to finish in the five, six range the last couple of years and being burned by it. So now we're going with maybe a reality check. Yes. I mean, kind of, it's just, I still, the problem with the ducks fundamentally to me is the forward group in terms of trying to say that they'll make the playoffs. If you look at their top six, yeah, it's interesting. You got Milano gets Terry That could be a line. Contois, Zegris, Raquel as a line. That's an interesting top six to me. It's not an elite top six, but that can generate some offense. It's the bottom six to me that where things can really drop off. I mean, Lundestrom, Steele, Jones, Delorier, Henry, Grant, that doesn't add up to that much. Yeah. It just doesn't. And and that's the problem for the Ducks when you're going against even a team like LA who neither of us are that high on, but they still at least have a little more depth than that. Does your opinion change at all? And I think maybe this is the the caveat to add here that we're at this point that roster cuts haven't been made. We don't know where this roster is going. Would your opinion change at all if somehow the Ducks rolled out centers uh, or their four centers they play are Zegris, Getzloff, McTavish, Lundestrom? The thing is, we don't know what McTavish will be okay. like as a rookie. But he has to be an improvement on both Sam Steele and Derek Grant. And I think a pretty significant one even. Yeah, but if you think about that, how high of a bar is that, really? It's. It, I'll, I'll answer for you. It's not. It's not yeah, a high bar. But that um, still is an improvement. It is. If he were better than those two, then that would increase. That would help the Ducks out. I mean, Sam Steele isn't Derek Grant terrible, if you look at his numbers. Uh, he is... He's what, 30th percentile basically in terms of five on five contribution. Yeah. So he's below replacement level, but he's also not at the very bottom either. Um, I, I guess with McTavish, I just don't know what to expect. I've watched him play, I've seen him up close. I think he's got NHL tools and he could come in and be a contributor, but how that actually shakes out against NHL competition, that's a different story. So, yeah, you could take that view and say, well, mm-hmm. the Ducks have some guys in the offing, even a, a Bo Gru who I think that they want these guys to make the team, or at least they'd be happy if they made the team. And if that were to happen, maybe that raises this team's floor. And then you can feel more confident about projecting them to finish at least Six, above eighth, right? Sixth, Six, seventh, fifth. fifth. Right. And so, yeah, like, like I said, it, for me, they're not a lock to finish eighth. Mm-hmm. It's just, if, if you're asking me to write it down <laughs> right now and to handicap everyone else, I, I just think that there's, there's too much going against them. To, yeah. to really feel and confident. I'm basically just prov- trying to provide some ray of sunshine for people out there listening to this to knock it, I guess, two down with, with us predicting no. them at eighth, that there are no. positives to be had. And I think there are adjustments that can be made that can be helpful. But I think there is uh, some importance in addressing kind of the reality of the situation. Oh, totally. And look, if you're a Ducks fan, I still don't think that if you hear us project them to finish last in the division, like you shouldn't. You shouldn't look at that as, oh, well, then I guess I'm just not watching this year. This is still going to be an interesting team to follow because, A, we know that the, like, the, the playoffs aren't the goal for them anyway. So it's more about the development of the, the players on the team, the younger players, what they end up doing with the veterans. Are they going to trade them? Are they going to re-sign some of them? Will John Gibson bounce back? There's still plenty of reasons to follow this team and to be intrigued by them. But in terms of making the playoffs, that's just a different conversation totally. Yep. Agreed. So I think we've covered the Ducks. I think we they're, they're the team we're going to give the most time to in our yes. in our ranking here. Yes. Okay, so who do you have at seven? Seven, I have the LA Kings. Same. Yeah, Same. I mean, here's the issue with the Kings. 
I don't think their roster is that much different than the Ducks. I mean, they have Kopitar and Dano, like we said, but outside of that, is Arvidsson better than Raquel? Doubtful. I think it, he's. I think they're neck and neck. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think Henrique's potentially one of the best forwards on the Ducks, and I think he's better than uh, better than uh, any of the other Kings forwards, basically. Yeah, and, I, I think the difference between these two, though, is that again, it's the bottom six. They just have a better bottom six than they the Ducks do, do. But I also think they have a worse defense. Yeah. Well, yes and no. The, the Ducks. Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty's bad. Like Drew Doughty's actually bad. Yeah, but the thing is, the Ducks blue line. Well, first off, just can't stay healthy. True. You're you're almost guaranteed at this point to not get a full season of Manson and Lindholm, and then after that, you're banking on Jamie Drysdale taking a ma- you know a massive step forward if you compare it to his results last year. He would have to be much much better. To, to get to even like replacement level for, for this season. And that's not a commentary on, on where he projects long-term, but just for the, the current moment in time. Really, the only locks, I think, to be solid contributors when you factor in health are Fowler and Shattenkirk. I mean, when Lindholm's in the lineup, he's still great. But I, I think you, that's you know he's a big question. Time. If Lindholm is healthy, he's the best defenseman on both teams by a the- mile. Sure, but the Ducks blue line has a lot of question marks as well. Agreed. But like yeah. here's the here are the eight defensemen cap friendly lists on the, the Kings blue line. It's Drew Doughty, Alex Edler, Oli Mata, Matt Roy, Sean Walker, Mikey Anderson, Tobias Bjornfoot, and Christian Wolanin. Mm-hmm. Like that's not this great defense. Uh especially with uh Alex Alex Edler's a, still a solid player, but he's thirty five. Oli Mata's not that great. Uh Drew Doughty, like I yeah. said, really has fallen off a cliff. Um, and so I, yeah, that, that's basically why I have them seventh. I think that they're not going to be as good as everyone thinks they're going to be. I think that maybe, I, I think the, the positive for them is, I mean, this is something people may forget. They were worse than the ducks at five on five in terms of expected goals, four percentage last season, they were at 44%. The ducks were at 45%. I think that's not going to be the case this upcoming season because of adding a, a Philip to will help with that. Mm-hmm. But how significantly will it help? I don't think he takes them from being a 44% team to over 50. I think maybe well, they bump up to 47%. Well, what's funny is if you look at the cumulative war, so when you look at like at, uh, Jay Fresh's roster builder, the Bjornfoot-Roy pairing actually adds up to more than a Fowler-Manson pairing right now. Yeah, makes sense. So, I don't think they're... T- it's funny, now I'm getting pushback for saying the Kings are going to be terrible, which probably was not a bright move on my part yeah put that on twitter yeah i don't like i don't Save think the, for King, here. the kings are not going to be terrible i guess i should i should uh be very clear i don't think they're gonna be awful i just think it's too early to be this high on them they have interesting pieces i just feel like it adds up to a mediocre team like an interesting mediocre team and yeah they do have they do have some room to shoot you know to, to climb the standings because of their talent because of got younger guys taking steps forward they do also have goaltending, which can help, but it's just, well, do, I, they? I do you trust Cal Peterson? Well, Cal Peterson was great last year. No, it's just, I, I, how many games is he going to play is the question. And how many games are you going to have subpar Jonathan quick? That's the problem for them. Like yep. th- there's like the, the Kings are interesting. They have good players. I just am. I, I guess I'm skeptical is Agreed. all I'm saying. Like there, there's enough reason for skepticism. Agreed. But again, I, I do want to add that this range of teams they can move around quite a bit. Yeah. These teams are going to be competing for the, the, you know, these last spots. Um, so yeah, Kings at seventh, 
could easily see them higher. Like I said, with the Ducks, could also see them being better. But there's just a lot of things that have to happen yep. for them to get there. Yep. Okay. Um, let's talk about number six. Who do you number have number six? I have the Vancouver Canucks. Interesting. Interesting. I have the San Jose Sharks. That also interesting. You want to go on the Sharks first or have me go on the Canucks? I'll talk about the Sharks. Go I for think, it. I think that the Sharks, well, first off, we don't know when Evander Kane's coming back, which is... I or mean, he's it, the, if he's coming back. If he's coming back at all. Um, and he is their best forward, or at least one of their very best forwards. He was their best forward last season. So that's a big problem. And yeah, they, they went out and basically got a third line getting getting Benino and Cogliano. Like they yep. have some, they have NHL players. <laughs> they have Timo Meyer, Couture, LeBanc, right? They have guys who can play in the top of the lineup, but I'm just not really sold on their depth up front. I guess they could be okay. And then their blue line is a total wild card. I mean, what are you going to get yeah. from, what are you going to get from Burns, Carlson, Vlasic? I think Vlasic is almost a shoe in to not be great at this point. And then Burns, Carlson, right? You could go either way. They did upgrade a net for Martin Jones, which not a high bar, but they yeah. did do that. So I think that there's at least with the sharks, I think there's enough pieces to where they could, they could outshine the Kings. But the more I, the more I talk about it, the more I think the, the, the Kings could be better than, than the sharks, but that's kind of the range for me for, for this sharks team. So I have the Sharks sixth actually. So in this range, just above this, I think that there's well, a no, chance we are, we are on six right now. No. You mean fifth? No. So I had the Canucks seventh. Oh, well, then I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Did you have the Sharks seventh? Well, and I had the Ducks eighth. There's yes. eight teams in this division, right? There are, there are eight teams in this division, Felix. Oh, boy. This is. Okay. <laughs> I, I had Ducks eighth. Did you forget about the Canucks? No, I didn't, actually. Um, okay. I had. So I had Ducks eighth, Kings seventh. Okay. San Jose is my sixth. Does, does oh, that oh, does that all oh, wait. up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was one off. That was my fault. I was looking. Oh, at my, okay. So I was looking I was at my, right. I was looking at my rows in Excel, and because the first row was the divisions, the it was starting at nine. My fault. So uh-huh. yeah, I have the Canucks at six and the Sharks at five. Okay. Um, and so I mean, the reason why I have the Sharks at five while we're talking about them is I think that there's a chance because I think that they have some better forward talent than some other teams, some better goal scores. Now, granted. Part of it also relies on Evander Kane coming back and playing somewhat, and who knows whatever ends up happening there. But Logan Couture um, should be okay or should be solid. Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, these are all talented players at forward. The defense is a little bit of a question mark, um, obviously, but they still have the talent back there. And I think really what I'm banking on is the fact that they've basically gone from Martin Jones to James Reimer and Aiden Hill. Yeah. which is a significant upgrade. And that's not necessarily saying that James Reimer and Aiden Hill are that fantastic. It's saying that Martin Jones was that poor. Yeah. And so I think that that one upgrade is going to kind of help them out a lot because at five on five, they actually weren't that bad last year. They were, let me see. They were 18th in the league. They were almost at 50%. They were at 49.3%. So mm-hmm. at five on five, they actually weren't that bad of a team. And so if they could just get a save, I think that there's a uh, high likelihood of them actually surprising people 
and them being the team that could even end up pushing for a playoff like teams think the Kings will. Yeah, I, I just think that for the Sharks team, the bottom could fall out again. Oh, it 100% there could. Is but, a, there's a massive dis- disaster potential. But th- this team. is a team that I'm looking at, and if I'm looking at 5-on-5 five five numbers from last year, now granted they have the Kings have added some players, and that kind yeah, of does exactly. make a difference. And the, and, but, the King, and the Sharks have lost Evander Kane. Yeah, but they've also added Benino and Cogliano to their third line, which I think will help them. Sure. Yeah, I I'm I have them sixth. Okay, I, I feel like I, I can't. So I no, have, that's fair. I have Vancouver fifth. So yeah, so I have Vancouver sixth. The main issue I have with the Canucks is, first off, when do Pedersen and Hughes sign? Yeah. Well, assuming they sign before the season starts. That's not a guarantee, and if they don't, they are in real They're rough in trouble. shape. They're in trouble, but they have better depth than the than the Kings and the Sharks, though. I think up front. They have uh, slightly better depth. Maybe, maybe up front. I don't know on the blue line if they do. Even so, that, with, that, even the, even with Carlson and Burns and Vlasic being as old as they are, I still would probably take that blue line over the the Canucks yeah. blue line without Quinn Hughes. No, I agree with that. I think that the the Canucks blue line could, and also Quinn Hughes wasn't amazing last year. Like we True. don't necessarily know, but I think for me, what what sells me on the Canucks being better than the Sharks is they. When they have their full roster, they're just far more talented up front. Um, they're far more yes. talented. Yeah, and, I think and then, adding Elias Pettersson's a, a, a big plus there. Well, yeah, it's kind of a necessity. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, if they if they don't have Elias Pettersson, just kind of scratch everything I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, but not completely. Bo Horvat, Jason Dickinson well, are, are good depth centers. I mean, this is still a team that finished in the basement last year with this yeah. same exact roster. And, and th- like, granted, they were horrible at five on five. Now, we probably should add the caveat there that their entire team got COVID horribly last season, which definitely probably impacted them down the stretch that had a big negative impact on their numbers. Yeah, Um, but their blue line doesn't look great, Um, but they are solid in net. Demko Halak is a nice tandem. Yeah, Halak's a good pickup. So, yeah, I I just I feel more comfortable with them being above the Sharks. Um, That's fair. So at number four, I feel like our top four will be the exact same. Potentially. Well, so who's your four? Uh, Seattle. Same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Seattle's a team where I legit, when I first had this done like a day or two ago, so to peel the curtain back slightly for everyone, um, Felix and I are going to do a Patreon episode tomorrow where we're going to do the full uh, divi- or all the divisions throughout the league. And so I did this a couple days ago and prepped for that, and we've just decided that we're going to do one of them for free on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the Kraken lower. And the thing that kind of honestly, as you and I were talking about this during kind of the pre-show, uh, it was looking at their defense and there, cause I was mainly looking at their forwards when I kind of put together that where they were at. And I had, I think I had them like seventh or sixth, something in that range based upon their forwards. But when you look at their defense, I mean, Vince Dunn, Adam Larson, Mark Giordano, Jamie, Alexia, Carden, Carson, Susie, Hayden Fleury, like that's a really solid defense. And that will be the backbone for their team next season. Yeah, yeah, I I think that that their blue like the the team that they built is going to be competitive. It's going to be better than maybe some people expect. The, I don't think that they're going to be that good. All that being said, like I don't think they're going to get in the wild card. I think yeah. that's going to be two central teams, but they're going to be interesting. They have really good goalies, right? So they're going to hang around. If you told me that, for example, I don't know, like who could you see finishing ahead of them in the teams we just talked about? All of them. <laughs> the ducks above Seattle. Really? I could see it. 
Yeah, I, I guess maybe. I don't know. Like if every like the the issue is uh was it Dave Hoxall? Dave Hoxall is not he did not have a good run in Philadelphia, and so if he's like the thing with with Seattle, it's tough for me is that there was all the hype around them about being an analytic franchise that that this is what they are. Yet none of the decisions that they've necessarily made back that up. Mm-hmm. And so I really wonder how as a team they're going to be playing. And so, I mean, we'll see. There, there, There is the potential that they finish at fourth. Maybe they jump into third. But I think that it's kind of weirdly like the Ducks where it's such an unknown where they could finish as low as eighth. That's true. And, like, the, the thing is their forward depth is not anything to write home about. Like, that's yeah. really where they dropped the ball to me. Well, they they basically made a choice, it seems. Yeah. Uh, DB, DB Lowry, 3507 in the Twitch chat, by the way, I think it's after your heart saying that I just can't trust Philip Fraudbauer. <laughs> Philip. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I feel like I pay attention reasonably to hot. Oh, <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> that took wow, you a that, while. That went right over my head. Okay. <laughs> Philip Fraudbauer. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Philip Grubauer is what he's referring to for those who are like me and took forever to get it. Um, Wow. I actually do trust him. I, I trust that even if he goes and maybe has a bit of regression, Chris Treger is there to pick up the slack. So then again, trying to predict goaltending year over year seems to be a waste of time. Yeah. So, hey, and don't forget Hayden Fleury is on this team. Don't yeah. forget that. Are we going to – not are we going to, but I feel like it's going to be real interesting to see how quickly a guy like a Sam Steele gets moved on from from the ducks and then figuring out how smart of a decision what it was to protect him over a Hayden Fleury because at the end of the day that's what it came down to the ducks wanted to protect both Sam Steele and Max Jones over Hayden Fleury I mean I think you can make that that point about Max Jones as well yeah I, I think that I think that maybe the ducks view is that they have more in the pipeline on the blue line and so they just need they want they still are holding out hope that one of their young forwards like they kind of need that to work out more than they needed Hayden Fleury to work out yeah but it's still yeah I mean I I am not the biggest optimist on Sam Steele going into the season or Max Jones but then again like that's that's still holding on to the idea that they're going to become way more than what they currently are yeah I think they kind of are what they are at this point which is like depth guys just yep okay depth guys right yeah um so I think once you remove the expectations, looking at those guys, it, it becomes a lot less dramatic. But yeah, Kraken at four to me, and that's not saying that they're going to be this great team. I just think you look at the teams below them, and they they've actually built a a decent back end. I mean, they've really built from the net out, and that should translate. Yep. And so before we get into the the top three, because I know you're all probably wondering what the order of the top three will be. Uh, I think it's time to have a word from our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef has a meal plan for every healthy lifestyle from keto to paleo to plant-powered diets or even if you just want to have delicious but balanced dishes. Their expert chefs curate every recipe with over th- and with over 30 meal choices every week and the flexibility to switch plans, you'll never have to sacrifice taste for nutrition. You can enjoy restaurant-quality dishes in the comfort of your own home. You can enjoy new and nutritious recipe, nutritious recipes each week that are perfect for you and the whole family. Take homemade plant-based meals to the next level with Green Chef's plant-powered options. Or want to watch your carbon take? 
Their keto and paleo options will give you premium proteins and vital veggies you need to conquer the day. And with pre-portioned, easy-to-follow recipes delivered right to you, eating well has never been simpler. Never worry about having to plan or shop for dinner again. So Felix, I'm just kind of looking at the the Green Chef menu, and I've mentioned this many times. The One of the nicest things is you get the recipes from them, they give you a nice card that you can basically keep and follow for a long time. And so if you want to recreate the recipe, not only are they sending you everything to, to make it, they also give you the cards to be able to make it at a later date. But I'm just looking at their their menu. So for me, I personally, when, when I've done Green Chef, I do the balanced living option. And so they currently have on their website. How good does this sound? Bulgogi burgers. Yeah, that looks amazing. Like that's that just absolutely looks fantastic. Truffled mushroom flatbreads, mm-hmm. maple miso glazed mushrooms. If you're uh, looking for a veggie option, uh, salmon with creamy chimichurri. Their chimichurri sauce is fantastic. Sausages and mashed acorn squash. Middle Eastern beef bowls, and these are all in addition to. And I, I will show the the binder yet again uh, <laughs> uh, of the meals, but. It's great. I mean, peanut chicken with udon noodles. Mm-hmm. There it is. And you can see, really easy to follow. They send you everything in a bag. It's a freezer bag also. So if you want to be able to get um, get the meals, if they deliver it to your door when you're out and about, they can be stored there for a while. And it it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it, it's so, so good. Yep. So if you want to check them out, go to greenchef.com slash CTP100. So that's... CTP like crash the pond and use the code CTP 100 to get a hundred dollars off, including free shipping. So once again, go to greenchef.com slash CTP 100 and use the code CTP 100 and to get hundred dollars off, including free shipping. So yeah, go check them out. It is delicious Cuban chicken. There's just so many great options for a ton of different lifestyles and dietary choices. Highly, highly recommend it. Agreed. All right. Top so- three. Top I know three. everyone. Everyone's probably been waiting for the order yeah, here. I'm sure. I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, a lot of, I guess, debate going on about who's going to be in our top three, right? And and what yeah. the order is going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of drama here, folks. Number three for me, Edmonton Oilers. I mean, I'll just say my top three. I, I yeah, think go for it. Kind of breeze through this. Edmonton, Calgary, Vegas. Vegas was always number one for me for obvious reasons. They're they're, they're the best team in this division on paper. Uh, Calgary, I think people are, I don't want to say sleeping on because I feel like people, most people seem to understand that Calgary is okay, but I think that they're better. They're slightly better than that. And I think for them in this division, that's going to, that's going to carry them. I don't, I don't love their blue line all that much. I will say that, but their forward group, again, it's kind of the same story with Calgary. They have a really nice top end forward talent. And that's, I think in this division that gets you places. And also, Maybe J- Jacob Markstrom will will revitalize himself this year, but they're they're number two for me. Yeah, so I've got the Flames, the Oilers, the Golden Knights. So I have the Flames third, Oilers uh, second, Golden Knights Golden Knight first. So yeah, and I could see I could definitely see Oilers and Flames flip flopping. Yeah, I mean it, both teams are flawed in their own ways. Yeah, um, and, and and here's the thing with the Flames, I actually think a lot of people are probably sleeping on them this year because of the fact that they missed the playoffs last year. They fired their head coach, so they they've got a new head coach, or they fired their head coach mid season, had Daryl Sutter come in. But if you look at their five on five numbers, I mean they were eighth in the league at fifty three point three seven percent expected goals four percentage, and so the the main issue for them was Jacob Markstrom fell off a cliff, which granted was a little bit predictable. 
Um, and, yeah. and, and I think that I remember even when they signed him, they thought that was a bad deal to sign him to, but if he can just recover and become somewhat of what he was when he was in Vancouver, then, then they're a formidable, formidable opponent. And Johnny Gaudreau is still a great hockey player. Sean Monahan's still good. Matthew Kachuk is insanely good. Like if you're looking at the talent, um, if, if you're looking at the talent yep. on rosters, they have one of the most talented rosters within the yep. Pacific and- division and potentially even more talented than Vegas, potentially, in terms Ooh. of just high-end talent on the roster. Well, Andrew Mangiapane is becoming one of those uh, underrated guys who yeah. I think people don't talk about enough. So he's he's slept on as well. So better than Vegas, though, I think that's too far. No, I'm just saying <laughs> their talent has the is their high-end talent is potentially yeah. better than Vegas. Like Monahan, Goodrow, Kachuk. Um, like I, I think that you could hold up that first line with kind of any other first yeah. line in the in the division. Yeah, if you're if you're talking, well. Except for one, I would say, the one that has Connor McDavid on it is probably the one. That, that you... that's true. Sorry, I should probably back that off. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, my but, apologies. But for Vegas, for Vegas, you can make that case if you're talking about the forward group. So yeah, I had, I have Edmonton below Calgary, mostly because they're the comments I made about the Flames blue line. It's even worse for the Oilers. Like their oh, blue yeah. line, their blue line's just awful. I don't know how else to say that. Like Dar- Darnell Nurse is fine. But then after that, Tyson Berry is basically a power play specialist. You've got a Duncan Keith, Cody CC pairing, Chris Russell, Evan Bouchard. Evan Bouchard could be fine, but the Oilers are going to be the same story. They're going to need goaltending. They're going to need their power play to be great, which it will be when you've got McDavid and Dreisaitl out there. They've got the top-end talent. And I think that alone, McDavid and Dreisaitl are just so good that that's going to carry them to a top three finish in this division. Like there's, They're just going to feast on the likes of the Sharks, Kings, Ducks, Canucks like yeah they might struggle in matchups with with Seattle because of the ways that Seattle may end up playing and the way their roster is constructed but until someone finds a way to stop Connor McDavid uh, consistently I'm just assuming that this team is going to offense their way to the top three and that's why I have them second is I just think that they have enough firepower where they're going to be able to outscore their problems sure their defense is bad sure goaltending it's really bad it's it's really bad but when you have Connor McDavid playing on at the pace that he was playing at last year and I think he's going to be able to continue to play at that pace, playing in the Pacific Division. Like th- he's just going to be on a whole nother level. Like yeah. it, it, it's going to be absolutely insane. And, and so, yeah. Um, I mean, Raquel's yeah. goatee about the Flames saying, "LOL, Monahan has fallen off." Remember, the Flames are a Sutter team now. I mean, the thing with Sutter is, I mean, he gets teams to play great at five on five, and that really works out well at certain points of time. I mean, there's obviously flaws to the low event style, but I think that could work out well for them. Yeah. And Monahan's definitely declined. <laughs> There's no question about that, but he's still a guy that on a line with better players around him, I guess. I mean, he's, he's still a top six guy, mm-hmm. so it's not, it's not crazy. Yeah. He's the third out of the three I mentioned. It, oh it's yeah. More so Gaudreau and Kachuk. Oh, he's a distant third, by the way. Yeah. I mean, you could make the case Manjapani is better than Monahan That's fair. right now. That's fair. <laughs> but I mean, actually that, that like is, Definitely true that Manjapani is better than Monaghan. But if you look at the Flames versus the the Oilers, I think the the Flames are more balanced. They do have very strong forwards. It's just that trump card. I guess that's why you might pick Edmonton over Calgary. I just have Calgary because I like their roster balance a lot better. Yep. Um, and then Vegas at the top. I mean, we don't need to talk about that too much, but they they're a team that was in the conference final last year. They they kind of ran over their division that they were in. Granted, weird COVID divisions, but 
they've got the elite talent at pretty much every position. I mean, Robin Leonard's, I guess, a downgrade from Marc-Andre Fleury, but they're, they're going to finish number one. So, yeah, that's the preview. I think that does it. So, any final thoughts on the Ducks, though, in this division? We should finish um, with some opti- some Ducks optimism. Um, I think the optimism is that it's a wide-open division. I think that yep. realistically, even though you and I are both high on the Flames and the Oilers, I don't think that they're locked in as being these juggernauts. I think there's really only one true power in this division. And so I think if you're looking at it, these are all teams that the Ducks are going to be playing, what, four or five times a year? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think is where, where it ends up at. I think that they have a chance to compete against every single one of these teams besides. And I think even against Vegas, they have a chance to to be in games against them. They did a little bit last year. And so I, I think that every team is flawed in their own ways. So if you're looking at, at it from the sense of the Ducks are going to be playing all these teams the most out of any division in the league, how are they going to fare? I think that they have a chance to really play some fun, entertaining style. And I think, honestly, I'm most excited to see how the Ducks play against Connor McDavid because picture Trevor Zegers out there against Connor McDavid. Well, it won't be Trevor Zegers. I can promise you that. It's going to be Derek Grant. Matchup center Derek Grant. Um, Okay, here's a fun hypothetical. Who, where do you, where do you think the Ducks, what's the highest that the Ducks could finish in this division? Five. Really? I said that earlier. So no consider, no consideration for fourth. I don't think they, I I don't think they can get up to fourth because I think they're going to move guys out. I could see if you told me that the Ducks finished better than the Sharks, Kings, and Canucks, I wouldn't I wouldn't be just completely falling out of my chair because I think for all three of those teams, the Canucks, Sharks, Kings, there's definite potential for their seasons to go way sideways. Um, I think the Kings are the safest out of those, the three teams that the Ducks could leapfrog. The, pro- the problem with that prediction, though, is that, again, for the Ducks, a lot is going to need to go right for them to do that. But the teams ahead of them might do that job for them by just yeah. really struggling. So I could see the Ducks. It's It wouldn't be crazy to me if they if they get up there. It's just, again, not the likeliest scenario. The case for the Ducks is the same as always. If, if their veterans can get back to form, which isn't crazy, they're in those years where they can still hold some of their, their level, like mm-hmm. Raquel, Henrique, Getzlaff yeah. even, I thought had a had a decent year last year progression from the youngsters you're almost guaranteed to get better years from terry zegris contois maybe you get something from one of steel and jones and then you're looking at a much more interesting forward group i think the blue line it's the thing everyone is assuming is going to be fine and i'm willing to mostly believe that i'm just a little concerned about what the third pairing is going to look like because yeah. Jamie Drysdale, for all the potential he has, his numbers were atrocious last year. I think he, there's a big caveat there, but yes. But they were, but they were terrible. Like, like no, they, gotta, they, they, one hundred percent were. But I think the caveat is, is that his numbers playing the right side were significantly better than when he was playing the yeah, left side. But it's all small samples, so it's kind of like def, definitely. But I, I think if you are going to look at the small sample picture overall, they were, I think and that they it, were, they were better, but they also weren't awesome. The, the point is, Jamie yeah. Drysdale hasn't given me the confidence to just say, yes, he's going to be great next year or or this year. I think that if he takes a step forward, right, if he becomes, let's just say a decent NHL defenseman, third pairing guy, then that changes the complexion of this blue line because you're not as reliant on that top four staying healthy. You've got another guy and he's got the tools to do it. Mm -hmm. And the other question for me, of course, is who's going to be the sixth defenseman? 
Like Jacob, like are we still pretending Jacob Larson is an adequate choice for this if, spot? I would be so happy if they. I mean, here's the question. Like, here's the big question for the Ducks in the roster: is that it's no longer a situation where Jacob Larson has that spot due to the fact that he's the only waiver exempt player on the or waiver eligible player on the blue line. We're now dealing with a situation where Brendan Gooley is uh waiver eligible mm-hmm. uh josh mahura waiver eligible like all of these guys that are kind of in that same age range as a jacob larson that don't have the same experience as him which is both a good and a bad thing but all those guys are waiver eligible so what do yeah. you do there i mean axel anderson is waiver exempt so he's definitely not going to be be pushing for that spot but mm-hmm. so it's it's like yeah like uh josh mahura is 23 years old like he should be pushing for an nhl ross spot Brendan Gooley is 24 years old and yeah. Jacob Larson is 24 also. So it's like, th- this is a situation. I mean, there's also Cody Coran, which like, who knows what happens with him, mm-hmm. but like uh, essentially where do you go from here? Cause this is no longer a-, a spot where Jacob Larson has played so many NHL games where he's the only waiver eligible player out of that group. And so he's locked into that spot. This is a situation where there's legit competition there because I think even though Larson played so much, like, are you willing to lose lose a Josh Mahura for nothing because of Jacob Larson? I mean, they lost Christian Juice last year because of it. Are they going to lose another guy because of it this year? Yeah, and and the worst part with Larson is it just feels like he's getting worse every year. Like he's just he's trending so so far in the wrong direction. And yeah, there's other guys where they probably want to figure out like what does a Mahura or a Gooley look like in the NHL full time. I mean, I I don't know if Gooley necessarily is ready for that opportunity yet. But like you talked about with the waiver restraints, it's, they're going to have to make some tough choices. And maybe this is a bit overblown in the beginning of the season, just because of the way that waivers work, where you have this parade of guys going on waivers. And Yeah, but I, I think it's part of the conversation of if guys, are on, if, if guys are on a parade on waivers, then Jacob Larson could be one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, like, Jacob get, Larson, like that's my point. Jacob here. Larson does not get claimed on waivers right now. No, I, I, I think it's more that. likely that Josh Maher gets claimed on waivers than Jacob yeah. Larson. Yeah, because he's still got some of that prospect shine. And he is, I think, the better player. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing for the Ducks. that I'm. This is one of the bigger themes that I'm watching in this preseason is how this blue line shakes out, how that third pairing specifically shakes out. Because that's really – that's the weakness on the blue line. The top four, look, assuming that these guys stay healthy for any bit of time, I think that the blue line – is going to be mostly a strength. The top four is going to be mostly a strength for the Ducks. Um, Manson is a total wild card because his play has really suffered, but maybe a, an offseason and some stability could could see him with a bounce back. So if, if he just gets a little better, you've still got Fowler, Lindholm, Shattenkirk. That should be okay enough. Do you think that we see Lindholm and Drysdale put together? Um, If that were to work, that would really open up the options for Dallas Aikens because then you can move Shattenkirk to the second pairing with Fowler, or you could have him as a basically a, a premium third pairing defenseman. So maybe that's something that they've thought about, but I think that I just don't know if Jamie Drysdale is ready for those minutes. If he's ready, because I Lindholm, think I, I think a guy like Lindholm can help him out significantly and really protects him in that spot. He will. He will. And like, by default, he will protect him. He, but those are still going to be very hard minutes. And Jamie Drysdale, it's just an unknown right now. I mean, I, I think he has the physical attributes to pull it off. 
there was actually an interesting stat yesterday from, I think it was from Corey Schneider's tracking data, or it, it may have been somewhere else, but that Drysdale actually got beat a lot on zone entries last year, one-on-one, which is not what you would expect from a guy who's that fleet of foot, which tells me it's a, it's a matter of angles, timing. The, the, the actual skating ability is not the reason he's struggling defending on the rush. It's the fact that it's that he's a, a teenager playing in the NHL. And so I don't know how much that's going to change over one year. And if you put him on with Lindholm, you're just feeding him to the wolves. Like I, I'd be curious to see it. Maybe it could work, but I, I think he, he's better off on a, on more of a sheltered third pairing role and just really accentuate what he does. Well, put him in softer matchups and let him really get creative on those zone exits with this using his feet. Yep. Completely agreed. So yep. anything else you want to touch on before we get into questions? No, I think we covered it pretty extensively. <laughs> All right. So for those of you in the Twitch chat, yes. Uh, or sorry, for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we do this. Uh, we uh, post the video on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com slash crash pond. Please like and subscribe to our videos there. It really helps out significantly. If you want to uh, get into the comments, I'll get in there with you. Um, but uh, Or on your favorite podcast services, we do a live stream of the show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash pond, where if you have Amazon Prime, you can support the show in a way that's completely free to you. You With uh, Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. Um, but by hitting that subscribe button, you help support the show. You get a special uh, badge next to your name, and you get special emotes in the chat. And you can be just like Ken Pafu, who has resubbed for 25 months, and his message for resubbing was saying Silverberg is still is going to make the playoffs. Tony, does that mean that he's going to make the playoffs on the Ducks? Or <laughs> yeah, or, who who like, is he going to make it on? To, like Tony, where are you going with this? <laughs> Ch- chime in, the, chime in the chat. Uh, and our good friend Jess, Science Cat One Hundred Eight Beer League teammate, uh, gifted out five subs. Thank you so much, Jess. It's always uh, yep. much appreciated whenever you do that. Um, all right, so we got this question from that guy Bobski. Let me find it very quickly. I could have sworn there was it. Well, we got this one. Uh, I'll find the other one in a second. But uh, Raquel's goatee asked, said, could slash would the Ducks add something of value on the waiver wire during the post-camp rush? Toronto has some interesting names in Adam Brooks, Pierre Engvall, and Joey Anderson that'll probably be available. Yeah, I think what's hard for the Ducks is they have so many bodies. It's the same thing as last year. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it would be smart of them to take a swing on one of those guys and see what they can do in, in a, you know, with a, b- a bigger opportunity. It's just the Ducks have so many players, especially up front, that I just don't really see them being super active on that front. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's a it's a slightly new regime with Jeff Solomon in the fold, so maybe that that changes. Yeah, I mean, the the real question here is how do they view the guys on the fourth line? How do they view the Derek? Like, is Derek? Well, Grant- that's the thing. Are those guys just going to be monoliths again, where they're just going to be in the lineup every single night, no matter what? I feel like that that that's the that question were, here because because that was the limiting factor for their creativity last year. Is you're just mm-hmm. assuming in terms of roster construction that 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 fourth line is completely baked in. Yeah, so. I mean maybe you have to assume that they might. I mean they didn't resign Carter Rowney. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I could have sw- I like thought for sure they were going to resign him. He seemed like someone they would lock in on resigning to a one or two year deal. But you know he ended up going to Detroit instead. Which I think it was an interesting place for him to go after the last couple of years. But um, DB Lowry thirty five oh seven says, "Question: Which of the rookies has the best chance of the of making the opening night roster? Whether it's Gru, 
Perot, McTavish, Hunter Drew, somebody else. Who do you think has the best chance? I think, I don't know. I, I could see none of them making it just because of the way that the roster is constructed. I think that Mason McTavish is a bit behind the eight ball now. Uh, he's been out for the last pretty much week. With it a, sounds with, as if Dallas Akins is not. He's getting close. That is that is not viewing that as an issue though? Yeah, but I'm just saying like that gives them time to see other guys. Yes, agree. And so, but you're right. He. I'm not saying that that writes him off. It's just if I'm again if I'm handicapping this this race. I could see Bo Grew again. That's the vanilla take because everyone's saying that, but there's been so much push. It feels like behind him and the ducks, although they have a lot of centers, they don't have a lot of great centers. They don't have a lot of even good centers. And so if Bo Grew can continue to just maintain this narrative around him and play well, then there's a spot for him there because the same like Sam Steele and Isaac Lindstrom, I think that they're going to be a part of the team at least for the the next year, but they're not locks to be at least steel. I don't think is going to be a lock to be in the lineup every night. Yeah. So, and if we assume as well that Derek Grant is not necessarily a lock anymore, then yeah, there's definitely a spot for Gru. But outside of that, I think Jacob Pro absolutely needs some more development time. I, I just, the, from what I've seen of him, the skill is there, the, the high end talent, the shooting is all there, but that's a guy you just, he's I don't think he's ready for the NHL yet and that's fine you just don't want to mess that up you don't want to you don't want to rush him um and then McTavish I just feel like we've seen so little of him maybe once he gets in the lineup and just the the skill and the size and the NHL ready frame will all just come to light and he'll just take over but I need to see it first I need to see him in a preseason game before I can uh get behind him making the team uh yeah completely agreed uh by the way Kim Pafu our good friend Tony said uh Silverberg's gonna be the one lifting the cup after the Ducks win it this year wow bold take I, I swear Tony I I think that at this point you are a burner for for Jacob Silverberg you share the <laughs> same birthday and all this stuff you're you're definitely the burner account for him uh Dalton Key says how many games will it take Getzloff to hit to record 18 points to hit the 1000 point mark and then who gets more points this season Getzloff or Perry Oh, it's going to be Getzloff. I mean, Perry's going to be on, what, the, the fourth or third line? I'm going to say Tampa it's Perry because I think Perry's going to get power play time in Tampa Is he? Bay. I oh, think. boy. I would, assume, Is- I would assume. Didn't he get power play time in Montreal? He did, but... Put him, the on, Mon- the, put him on the second unit in front of the net. The Montreal power play is not quite the same. No, the but I would Bay. assume that the second power play unit put him in front of the net. Yeah, Sam, Samco spoke really highly of Perry in there in his interview Uh-oh. on Thirty One Thoughts. Oh, but do so. I go Perry here? Yeah i i would I would go Getzlaff just because of the ice time, but the 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 Tampa Bay multiplier effect here cannot be overlooked. I'm gonna say Perry. I think it's gonna take Getzlaff thirty games to eighteen points. Thirty? Yeah, that seems a little optimistic. A little bit. I would say like 34, 35. But yeah, thirty range. Yeah. Um, Z Hamster says Ricardo Kell looked decently confident with the puck on Saturday. If he and other veterans find form again, do we apologize to Bob Murray? No, no. And and here's the thing: that's actually the best case scenario for the Ducks because yeah. these veterans are on the final year of their deal. Yeah. And so, if you're the Ducks, you are very happy about that happening. And I've written about it actually on the site about how Ricardo Kell 
like he's just kind of gone a bit unlucky. His five on five numbers have been fantastic still over the last couple of years, and it's yeah. just he's been a bit, his, he he went from playing with a peak Getzloff to non peak Getzloff. Yeah, his I was gonna say his line mate talent is kind of eroded. Yeah, so. and so if he's able to find essentially put the puck in the back of the net a bunch. Like the Ducks should not be looking to resign him; they should be looking to move him, and that's going to majorly boost his value. Yeah, and, and I think, and, and I think that's why he's playing next to Zegras. Yes. So, so apologize to Bob Murray. No, I well, think no, it's a best case scenario. The correct choice would have still been to trade him with a year left, um, yes, because you would have gotten more for him. So, I mean, again, it was a very strange trade market last year with the pandemic and all that, but I the correct move would have still been to trade him before now. So, Yep. Fire Carlisle says, do we see anyone traded before the start of the season to clear room for a younger guy like McTavish or Gru? It could happen. I mean, it's yeah. not impossible. Those guys would have to play really well, but it's not impossible. I mean, the Ducks have made a point that no one is safe. Yeah, and and I mean, there there is the there was the chatter about Delorier being in trade rumors, so maybe that gets revisited he's been in, at the he's start He's been of in year. multiple trade rumors at this point. Yeah. Like he was traded to Pittsburgh, basically. Yeah, yeah, and then Bob Murray nixed it because he was mad that Elliot Friedman, Friedman got it, leaked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Lewis X two hundred nine said, "If you could only drink one beer for the rest of your life, what would it be?" Wow, that's a hard one. Do you have an easy answer? I saw this like five minutes ago, so I've been thinking about it. Um, I'm gonna go with Wolf Pup Session IPA, mainly because I love IPAs. And that beer is light enough where you can drink it on a hot day and still get very like cooled off from it and have multiple throughout the day. Basically, it's not going to murder you by having too many of them. It's going to be nice to you. You can have multiple throughout the day. That's that's a very good choice. I'm tempted to go that route. A, a Um, A session IPA is kind of the perfect choice for that. Yeah, I feel like if I went with like a lager or something like that, I would end up missing the IPAs more. So I, I think I might go the same as you, actually. We, we have Ken Paff who's saying Beachwood Citraholic. Beachwood is uh, a local Long Beach brewery. Uh, that guy Bobski saying, uh, so happens it's Tuesday from the brewery is his choice. Interesting. Okay. So if anyone else has a, a beer in mind, throw it in. We'll throw it out. Um, uh, <laughs> throw it in, throw well. it out. <laughs> throw it out, throw, throw it in, throw it out. Uh, that guy Bobski says, seeing the small improvements of the CA teams, will, will the Pacific Division be the powerhouse it was in the league that it was in the mid 2010s in the next four or five years? Yeah, I think that's totally in play. I mean, that's the thing is this season we kind of have to take this uh, this more pessimistic stance on the division. But in the coming years, I think the Kings and the Ducks will, like, you'll you'll start to see this standings prediction that we have kind of start to flip i think vegas is going to fade eventually um it's not it's not too far away calgary seems like a ticking time bomb anyway even if they're going to be decent this year i I feel like that that core could be blown up and then after that i mean yeah the the ducks are going to get significantly better trevor zegris is going to become i don't know how high he will get that's maybe what will decide this but He's going to get good enough to the point where they're going to be a, a playoff team, I think. And let, same thing with the Kings. So let me ask you this: Sharks are going to be bad for a while. This, yeah, I, I think the Sharks could be the best out of those three this year. I think they're going to be the worst off out of those three for a long time. Yeah, like be, being the best of the three this year is not what you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, Big Gus IPA is what Raquel's goatee. Just saying, it should. It's good. It's a step up from a session, but is light from mm-hmm. Ballast Point. So worth trying. Um, one thing that I, I'm 
I haven't put too much thought into, and I think that that's honestly the perfect thing to to bring up on the show. That is something that pops in my head um, to really kind of talk it out. I mean, that's what that's what this is about. But is the Eichel situation honestly the perfect situation for the Ducks right now? In the well, sense, in the sense of he won't play for half this year, probably. Yeah, it is. It's it's good for the Ducks because it wouldn't so, mess up the, the the tanking. And if you can do it for guys that are on the roster currently, you are taking away from your roster currently without adding to it. So if you are really all in on the the rebuild and all yeah. about this upcoming draft, you're adding a talented player for the upcoming seasons. You are able to be bad for the start of the year, and honestly. Once Eichel comes back at the end of the year, you're able to build momentum and build the fan base with him on the ice. And it's almost like you have a brand new team for the second half of the year. And you've already gotten yourself low enough in the points that you've almost kind of locked yourself into a great draft position and really can push yourself into building momentum into next year. I'm talking myself into this. <laughs> this hypothetical. Situation. This is it's fantastic. A, this, this hypothetical. This is like best, best case scenario. I know. I mean, the, the thing that's working out for the Ducks right now with Eichel is that that market, they're just never going to get what they could have gotten in in earlier in the summer. Like, yeah, like, they've royally blundered the his trade value. Like he's, what's it going to take? What what's going to be the final price tag on Jack Eichel when it's all said and done? What's your prediction? My prediction is they're going to get a roster player, a first, and a good prospect. Yeah, it's going to be less than what you would have thought it would have been like a year ago a few months ago, but I feel like as soon as the draft passed and you started hearing more about the, the agent arguing with the, the franchise, the stuff about the surgery, like that's when it just, that ship completely sailed. Mm-hmm. So that's good for the ducks. That's yeah. going to take a lot less to get them. Like, I, I think maybe you, you do it for the, I still you... think that I still think the golden Knights are going to get them. I don't, I don't think so. Peyton Krebs. I don't think so. All right. Uh, Let's see. Z Hamster said, should the Ducks burn a year off of McTavish's ELC this year, even next year? I'm always of the opinion that stuff doesn't matter nearly as much as people think. Um, I think for McTavish, though, and the way that the Ducks timeline is, it does actually matter a little bit just because you, when they're going to be good again, it'd be nice to have a guy that you're pay- paying a lot less. So. I could yeah. see it both ways. Yeah. That guy, Bobski says Jake needs a new podcast, random thoughts and brews, random takes while drinking craft beer. I should make mention. This is not a beer. Uh, seltzer. This, no, it's not a seltzer either. Oh, Oh, my apologies. It is a cocktail. Wow. My it's tie. A, that... It's it, yeah. It's a 12 and a half percent. My tie. Wow. It's that's rum. why we're, that, that's why we're, <laughs> that's why we're getting the insane hypotheticals. Hey, Hey, that's, this is, that's, that, that's how you get to Edmonton at number two. I'm only halfway done with this. This thing's <laughs> they're delicious though. That's how you cut, get to Edmonton water at two. Mai Tai and rum. Yeah. Well, well, a Mai Tai yeah. is rum. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I know that's a bad statement. A, a bit redundant. A bit redundant. Very redundant. Um, anything else? No. I mean, excited for the season. It's it's kind of it, it roared back into life with all the updates and things like that. And now it feels like we're just waiting. For it to unfold now there's a bit of a, a slowdown almost yeah let me ask you this you and i were discussing this are you going to the game on wednesday i plan to yes okay 
So for anyone there, I will be there. Felix will be there. Hit us up. We'll probably do a meetup of some sort or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, we typically, for anyone that doesn't know, that's new to listening to this or doesn't have a Twitter, typically what will happen, follow me on Twitter. If I'm at a game, I'll tweet something out and we'll meet up by the team store in that area between the team store and I don't know yeah. what it's called now uh, during the first intermission. So say, say hi to us. Yep. Come say hi if you want to meet up, talk some hockey. <laughs> uh everything like that so uh i just yeah. i just i feel coerced into going to these games because it's it's the only way i can actually see what's going yeah, on it's, it's really ruining our watch along plans yeah yeah we <laughs> we there's no actual <laughs> televised stream that, that, that's I, I should just i should just stream the game onto uh patreon and yeah, that's just, the watch along just stand there the entire game with your iphone and it plugged into a portable charger <laughs> yeah exactly and just <laughs> That that would if you could pull that off without a security guard asking you what the hell is going on, I would be impressed. <laughs> well, challenge accepted. They they did they did that for the um uh for for the inter squad game this weekend where they did a little broadcast. They did the like Twitter. a periscope stream. Yeah, so why not just do it for the game? Uh, I mean, I I think the issue with the game is that there's broadcasting rights. And yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's what they've no, always yeah. said. No, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some reason. Like these things don't just happen. Uh, for nothing, but it would just be nice to watch from the comfort of, of my, my computer as yep. opposed to driving yep. out there, but it'll be, it'll be fun. So I'm not complaining. Cheap tickets, fun time, good beers. Yeah. I have an extra ticket. So just putting it out there, putting well, it out there to the people any... listening. Badger <laughs> Felix for the extra ticket. Badger me. I'm, I'm, I won't be selling it at face value though. I, it's going to go up. So just be prepared. To wow. I, I, wow. Totally I was expecting that to just be given away. Totally kidding. You know, we should just give that away to a patron. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> your, your decision. That's why you become a patron to, to benefit from when I end up getting cold feet from going to the game. Um, okay. Should we get out of here? We probably should. Yeah, I think it's time. Okay. Well, everybody, thanks for listening today. Uh, the season is fast approaching, and that means that the podcast is going to be just getting back into form, and we need your support. Here's a few ways that you can do it. The biggest one is our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. I'm pretty sure we've referenced it at least a handful of times on this show. Um, there's three different levels on the Patreon. There's for a dollar a month where you can join our, our Discord chat, patrons only. It's a lot of fun. You get to meet our, our merry our merry band of, of friends where we just talk docs, talk our hockey. band of misfits. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, what's something I, I was, I was randomly like thinking about, sorry, th- this is just how this episode's going. It's the Mai Tai. It's crazy how that discord channel has evolved. Cause I yeah. just, I, I think it was like, there's pre- always something going on in there. Pre pandemic. It, it was a little bit mellow. And it was one of those things where I think you and I both were thinking like, this is really cool, but it wasn't like super active. And I feel like around the pandemic was when it really kind of started going from just being this kind of channel to being a community. And it it truly is a community of people that are all absolutely amazing people. I mean, that guy Bobski who's in the Discord uh, or in the Twitch chat right now is in there a bunch. Zenez, I think you're in there also. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's a whole lot of people in that Discord that are great people that I've personally met, that you've personally met, and have formed really good relationships with. So... If you kind of want to be a part of that, it's a great group of people, great place to talk hockey, and there's a whole wide varying uh, set of opinions in there about the Ducks. So yeah, it's they're, not they're, an echo chamber. If, no, it's not. It's not. You're not just getting us to. There talk. we go. We, we Zen- talk the least, if anything. 
Yeah, Zenas is Can Bargain Bob on Discord. So that's who he is. <laughs> yep. So that's for a dollar a month. Now for five dollars, you also get two bonus episodes. We talked about it off the top. We'll be doing a, our predictions for every division in the league, and um, maybe we'll even allow ourselves to revise our Pacific standings by then. But so if you enjoyed what you heard with our Pacific predictions by tomorrow, you're you're gonna get all of that. No, I thought we we're doing. Oh, I guess it is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, mine is going to a million different places. We're gonna do that for the rest of the league. So it's my time Mondays, Atlantic, Metropolitan, Central. You're gonna get it all. Will I pick the Canadians to make the playoffs? That is the big question. <laughs> That is the big question. <laughs> there's there's the suspense for everyone. My my contrarian tune takes, in for that. My contrarian takes carried me through the playoffs last year at the Habs, but I don't know. I don't know. Looking at that roster, so yeah, check that out. And you know, it's not always going to be league wide. We'll sometimes go deeper into the Ducks, uh, different themes that we'll look at with the Ducks. We've done prospect rankings on there. That's for five dollars. For fifteen dollars during the season, we do two watch alongs every month. We did one for the rookie faceoff last or earlier this month where we will basically go live and give you a commentary stream while you watch the game. So we'll be doing that for two Ducks games a month, and that's a lot of fun. You get to hear us talk about different stats as the game is happening. We look more at matchups, deployment, things like that, a little bit more detail-oriented than what you might get on a traditional broadcast. But also, you get a lot of, um, let's just call it banter, Uh I don't know extracurricular the intermissions. Yeah, they they can get a little crazy. So check that out. That's for fifteen dollars a month, um, and that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Now, if you don't want to pledge any money, I get it. I think that's the wrong take. But if you're not gonna, there's still plenty of ways to support us. So if you go to um, Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a, a review and a rating, and those do go a long way as well. And it only takes a couple minutes tops. And if you do leave us a review. Uh, we will read it on the show. Those are always fun to get through. Is there's, I feel like people are competing now for like what's going to be the most creative, colorful uh, review that we get. So we've had some haikus had, in the past. We've, we've had, had rhymes. We've had rhymes. So let's let's see what you guys have. Um, and at this point, I don't even know if it's a if it's a crash the pond review without a mention of my bad food takes. So something else to keep in mind there. And so that's all on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. We're on YouTube, so Jake will post the actual uh, Twitch stream video to YouTube so you can see the graphs we pull up. You can see Jake's cat, Salem, crawling through the screen every now she, and again. She hasn't been in here today. She, I heard her meowing wanting to come in, but, you know, <laughs> she made yeah. the de- she made the decision to not be in here, so she's wow. now not in Harsh. here. Harsh. Bad yeah. cat owner. Salem um, did not want to be in on uh, My Time Monday. Let's go with that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she wants to if she's by the way the door meowing. Zena's eight made the suggestion is Maite Monday the new bit for the season. Oh man. Could be. Could be. We'll I mean see. We, we will be recording on Mondays until further notice. So. Yes. Um so yeah, and then also check out our website, crashthepond.com. Oh, I was gonna say on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, turn on your notifications. The YouTube comments are always fun. There there's always there's always we we've got some regulars who will I, I love the feedback that we get on there. It's very detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, people hold us accountable in the YouTube comments and then yeah check out our website crashthepond.com we've got articles going up there and that's at crashthepond on Twitter also on Facebook Jake is on Twitter at reindeergames91 and I am on Twitter at felix underscore Sicard. so that's going to do it for our show tonight guys that was I'm, I'm surprised we got through this Jake I don't know the Mai Tai really started affecting you midway through I would say no I'm fine <laughs> I've been fine <laughs> Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Well, everybody, have a great week, and we will talk to you next Monday. Bye.